shoot. Pull back, step back, three. Bottom! The handoff. Jones for the tie. Oh, he's fouled! And one! He's still loose. Doherty the heave. Oh, oh my God! Southern Utah. Oh, Southern Utah is going to do something he's never done. What's up, everybody? Another episode of Straight Out Whack Podcast. We are going to bring you this kind of delayed episode uh, that we didn't get to last week when we previewed GCU women's basketball because there was a recruiting freeze. Uh, so that's a time when maybe coaches take a vacation. We'll ask our next guest what she did maybe during that week since she didn't have to worry about recruiting for the moment. Um, but here we go with GCU women's basketball head coach Molly Miller. And uh, Molly did you do during your recruiting freeze it's like i feel like it's like the universal division one like take a breath coaches uh, go to the beach or something so that's what we did my husband's like we got to do something it was kind of last minute planned i didn't have anything specific planned i thought we'd just spend some time with the kids but we're in phoenix so we're in driving distance within the beach so we just drove down to rocky point which was really fun so did that for um, a few days, of course, ended up having to come back a little early because my son, he ended up needing stitches from from a little accident on the pool slide. So it was eventful nonetheless. Nice, nice. Now, is it cooler at the beach than it is in Phoenix? Just because the wind you have off the ocean. So, <laughs> but it was still pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. It's been pretty crazy. Pretty crazy summer. I think what's the highest it's gotten up to so far in Phoenix? I think I was gone. That's the benefit about being a basketball coach. Cause in July you just travel and go recruit and watch games in a cold air conditioning facility. So I think when I was gone, it was like 120 a couple days. <laughs> yeah. That's one reason my wife will never move to Phoenix, even though I've tried to entice her, but uh, yeah. Hey, eight uh, months out of the year, it's the best weather in the world. So if you can bear down for those summer months, 75 and sunny is not a bad way to live. <laughs> well, I figure, you know, she works from home, so it's not like she has to go out into heat and, you know, we can work in the air conditioning. So, like, it's a win-win almost, but she doesn't want to do it, so I get it. I got to, you know, happy wife, happy life right now. So <laughs> Let's talk – just the off season. What's it been like for you? You bring in some, I don't want to say new faces because there's a couple <laughs> of uh, faces that are very going to be very familiar to teams around the WAC in Chafino and Trinity San Antonio. But you bring in a bunch of new faces as well. A couple twins uh, on that roster of yours. What's the off season been like for you since March, April? I don't know if there's words to really describe the excitement I have for this team because we've gotten through our summer workouts and actually took an approach where they were shorter than the normal summer workouts. Cause I feel like we have a very veteran team, a very smart team. You don't have to spend a lot of time over explaining or re-explaining because they are a group that catches on real quick and buys in, which is great. Um, but I think if you were to poll everyone and just ask them if this summer was fun, I think they'd say, yes, it was, it was hard and it was fun. And that's what you want as a coach. I think they want, some more, you know, you always want to leave them coming back for more. And that was one of our goals as we attacked this summer, but a lot of talent out there. And it's just fun to see, you know, when you're dating, like you have your type. Well, I feel like coaches have their type when it comes to like kids they want to surround themselves with and, and go to the grind with. And like, these kids are my type, you know, they're just 
really hard workers, gracious. They are non-complainers. You know, we all have our stuff that we'd like to fix here and there, but I think they take that in stride and, and they're just exciting to be around. They work really hard. I think we're accomplishing a lot in a, in a short amount of time already. And it just gives me a lot of momentum to be and a lot of um, motivation to be good for them and to and to help them achieve our goals. And I'm just if you can't tell, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, you're laughing, not laughing, you're giggling like you're like it's that happy giggling type thing when you're talking about your roster. Tiara Brown feels like she's been around for like 10 years. <laughs> she's back again this year. Uh, like talk about the leadership that you're expecting out of her again and maybe this final season, final run with GCU. Yeah, it's it's special knowing that you've got a four-year player. That's um, almost sometimes a rarity these days. And for her to just see the vision and stick out with me a transition period. You know, when you're taking over a program, in COVID nonetheless, there's a lot of transition, a lot of highs, a lot of lows and ups and downs. But I think we were positioned nicely to have her lead this team, um, knowing what to do, what I expect, what the team expects, what the program expects, and she's built for it. You know, what you'll get with T is just effort. Every single time she steps out on the court, the motor is on full throttle. It's on high. And that's not fun to play against. That's why she's so memorable. And everyone's like, when is she graduating? Yeah, I, I'll be one of those people that, like, I sit and when I watch, at, at least at the WAC tournament, when I see her play, I'm like, I don't want to play against this person if I was to ever like be on the floor because it's like, like you said, that motor is always constantly going. So it'll get frustrating for a, an opponent. Yeah. The sky's the limit for her. You know, I think she can be a pro. I think she's got the capability to be really special and be kind of a, a player of the year type contender for us. Just the way she's able to, to fit the system and have success in it, but she's worked hard um, and year four is going to be a special one for her. Do you think that she plays kind of on a, with a uh, a chip on her shoulder, considering that, like, when people put out their player of the year selections or preseason or whatever, like, maybe she doesn't pay attention to it. Some people don't. But, like, do you think when there's got to be, like, an inkling there of why aren't these people paying attention to me when I do all these things and I, you know, like, I feel like some players get that chip on their shoulder because of that sometimes. Sure. I, I mean, I think that's – one of the reasons I really love T is because she's so level-headed and she doesn't get too high and she doesn't get too low and she doesn't let things get under her skin. She's just, like I said, the type she's wired a certain way and you're going to get that all the time from her, whether she's been voted this preseason, not voted that. I mean, that stuff is definitely secondary just to the nature in which she approaches the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. I have to ask too, was Sid Palma part of the recruiting process to get Trinity San Antonio to GCU from CBU, considering they played together two years ago uh, in Riverside? Oh, she was definitely one of the first ones I called when I saw she was in the portal. I'm like, did you see who's in the portal? It's your teammate. <laughs> so, you know, I think that was definitely um, a bonus to have some familiarity there for Trin. And then also Sid be able to kind of vouch like, this is a hard worker. Like she fits your system to a T like all that was definitely positive reinforcement. So yeah. Um, Sid definitely was helpful in the recruiting process with trend. 
I'm going to say you have multiple players with chips on their shoulders. I feel like when they step on the floor, like, do you see that in practice when you're working with them and putting them? Cause you, you've coached against some of your players, yeah, especially Trinity. Like she, it's almost like her and TR are going to be really good together in that regard. Yeah. We just, we try to make it a competitive environment in practice. And I think if you practice that hard and kind of, practice with that edge and and defense has a lot to do with that the brand and the style um and the defensive system kind of alludes to that how you carry yourself and so for us the people like trinity and tiara they kind of lead the way and and the identity of a team and um our returners also have been awesome i mean nadia and um asha live mckenna they're they're a handful along with palma that's just been um, excited too about adding these new pieces that really fit the system. So I just, it's like an identity of a team. Like, what do you, what do you guys want your identity to be around the league? Like, so someone that kind of has that edge and plays a lot of passion and energy and fight, like, I think that's a good identity for us. Um, Molly, you bring back Olivia Lane, you lose Evan Zars to graduation. Um, I'm curious if you try to bring out that twin tower lineup, um, again this year, who, Liv's partner is going to be down low in that lineup. We're so versatile, you know, with the twins. Um, one can stretch it. Actually, they both can really stretch it because they can they can both shoot the three. And then with Tierra, we can move her to the three or the four. So really, I think it's going to be like game time, game day, game flow with what the lineups look like, game matchup wise. But that's the beauty about this team is I think we're going to be really deep and really versatile at each position. So we could play really big or we could play some small ball. And we have the advantage of doing either kind of depending on what the game needs to look like for us. Does that out of curiosity, does that, you know, when you look at the past two WAC tournaments where, you know, you're into an SFA team that was really good, not necessarily big, big, but they had some bigs. And then Southern Utah, who had bigs. But yet there's teams like a CBU that play really fast and really get up and down. Um, Utah Valley. It's just there's so many mixtures of styles of play in the whack. How confident are you this year with what you have on your roster that you can mix and match and match up really well in each game? Like you said, the flow, the style of of play. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm just... I'm very impressed with the coaching in the WAC. You know, I I think we've got really good coaches, which makes it hard night in, night out when you have good coaches that can adapt and play different styles. And I do think there's a variety of styles in the WAC and it makes the conference competitive. And, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to try to everyone's goal. How do you win the conference? And I think that's a process. You know, the first year we came in, like Cal Bap was like untouchable, you know, and, they, they sweeped us three times. So, you know, you're at the drawing board. How do you beat Cal Baptist? And then the next year we were fortunate enough to beat them three times, but then you add SFA and they go and win the conference. It's like, Oh, they just added another powerhouse. How to figure out how to beat SFA. And, you know, we split this year and then they added another team and then they go win the conference. So the evolution of the conference has been really interesting. I think we've done a good job growing with it. Now I think, you know, you're going into year four. It's like, you've kind of figured some things out that can hopefully get you over the hump. And for us, the goal every year, like every team in the conference is to win it all. 
Um, but a lot of kudos just to the coaches and the teams. Like you said, it's just different styles and really good coaching. And for us, hopefully this year, what helps us with an edge is the versatility that we have to go up against different styles and great coaching every single night. One question about your roster. And I think about this a lot when I see, you know, the rosters on paper and who they brought in, who you brought in, you know, not just you, other teams around the whack. And you're like, okay, we know who these players are. We know some of these newcomers, what they can do. Like, is there ever a concern that maybe there's not enough offense to go around or there's not enough minutes to, to get, like, is that ever a concern? I, I don't want to say it's ever a concern. It's obviously a concern as a coach. But, like, when you look at your roster, you have all kinds of playmakers all over on this roster. Is that a concern at all as you get ready to start, you know, your fall camp and get into November and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, as much as I want to make everyone happy, that's probably unrealistic just because there's only 200 <laughs> minutes in a game, right? And um, right. not everyone is probably going to love the role they're in, which is okay. Like, I can have empathy for that, right? But I also hope that we as a team can collectively come together and we can sacrifice for the team because of the opportunity we have. And I think that's messaging has been kind of a, a team before me type mentality. We before me has already kind of been sprinkled in in this offseason. And I think when teams can um, kind of have that, then they can be really special because we do have a lot of talent and not everyone can start. Not everyone can play 40 minutes a game, but there will be opportunity. That's what I really like about this system is there's a lot of opportunity. And then with opportunity comes the advantage of, hey, if you're working to get better, then you're going to have more opportunity. If you're one that's not working as hard, you might not have opportunity. So it's very, um, you know, matter of fact in that way. But I think our team this year is mature enough to realize that there's going to be a lot of different players and roles are going to look different, maybe every night, you know, and that's the special thing about this team is it could be someone else's number the next time and the next go around it's someone else. And that would involve a little bit of sacrifice, but I think our team's willing and able to understand that. Like I said, they're mature and they're a really good group and good people. So that's tough as a coach. You have to make decisions. And I'm the first one to say they're not always the right decisions. And sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I could have made that substitution different or had that combo different. But you're just going to try to do the best for your team at the end of the day. And when you really have that team mentality amongst your players, then it all will work out. And I truly believe that. Um, Molly, the group's biggest bugaboo last year was free throw shooting. You guys were near the bottom of the conference for a great majority of the year in free throw shooting percentage. Um, I'm curious how much time they spent at the line this, this summer as we work our way towards November. And you've added some pretty good free throw shooters. Trinity San Antonio historically has been pretty good at the line. So, so has a Shea Fano. Um, but just address that bugaboo that, you know, held you guys back last yeah, year. Yeah, there's so many. When you get into the analytics and the stats, you're like, geez, I wish that number would improve. Like the free throws was obviously a little bit of an eyesore, but you know, your team kind of flips and then it's a, it's a new team. So it's hard to say like what we need to work on compared to last year's statistics with this team. So what I'm seeing is, you know, we're, we're getting, trying to get a lot of shots up, trying to incorporate free throws every day, but um, the team, the needs of this team might be different just because of the different personnel compared to last year. So I always think it's a working document. 
but free throws can make or break a game. So that is definitely an area that's a controllable for us, you know, and you want to get those reps and be sure that you can step up to the line and, and make two. Oh, free throws. Let's not talk about those. We won't, <laughs> we won't go into depth on the free throws because, uh, yeah. Good and then um, you added a couple of transfers from the Big West Conference, uh, Callie Cooper from UCSB and then one from Long Beach State whose name is escaping me at the moment. But just talk about what they're going to bring, you know, to the table with your two WAC veterans coming over and maybe some of your other newcomers that we haven't heard so much about. Well, I do like um... – some of the competitiveness that they have, you know, you could tell they were playing at a high level uh, when we inherited them. And, um, you know, one we haven't mentioned yet is Anna from Boise State, who is originally from Phoenix and kind of been impressed with her too, to add to that group of the WAC transfers and some of the, the other additions, but they, they're very, they're savvy too, you know, they're smart. And I think that comes with experience. I think that's why so many freshmen hit some bumps in the roads is because the more experience you have, the more comfortable you get. And so we've inherited some of that experience, which has been nice. And um, when you're talking about those conferences and they've been able to compete and do well in those conferences, they're just going to be an asset to our team because they're proven. And that's kind of the unique thing about the transfer portal is when you're recruiting from there, you can see what they've done in college. They're proven players and proven they can hit the three at this clip and they're proven they can rebound this many times again, you know, points per game. So I think when we kind of attacked the portal, one was like, you know, find the fit, find the people that um, work within the system and, and the right kids for, for the system. But then we got to have some proven players and some of those were very specific in our needs, but they were proven college players that they could fulfill those needs for us. You talk about proven. I was looking at the roster. You might have the most experienced roster. And when I say that, I think I counted nine seniors slash grad students. I don't know anybody else in the WAC that has that many like veterans experienced division one basketball player, like, Talk about that and I guess the importance of, of reaching goals this year because that's a lot that may either leave or may be done with their college basketball eligibility after this season. Um, it's like the pieces were put together specifically to let's go. This is our season. This is the year. Like, Not to put any pressure on you. I don't want to put any pressure <laughs> on you. But like when you look at that, nine seniors slash graduate students, that's a lot because, like I said, I don't think any other team in the WAC has that many – seniors slash graduate students yeah it's kind of a 180 we were really young last year yeah. and i thought that some maturity and experience could help us and um you know when you started looking at it when i was looking at southern utah's roster it was like fifth year grad senior even sfa's roster they had some upperclassmen that filled the roster and they were having a lot of success so i don't think that was any surprise you know at was it by design? I mean, we were really looking for personnel, but like, I think it helped us to get those experienced players. But, you know, we have some grad kids that still have, you know, two years, the twins have this year and next year, you know, Trinity has this year and next year. So we still have a good turnover for next year. It's, really good. it's so crazy to see senior and you're thinking, okay, they're done for that. You know, like COVID just threw everything off. Let's be real, like yeah. with regard to that, but. Sorry yeah, we, we've got no we've got some seniors with a couple of years left so i really am excited about even the future of this team i mean we've got a, a 
a handful of one and dones that hopefully, you know, what, what their purpose is, is to try to get us to our goals, but also be able to pass it down to the returners. And then that's just a trickle down effect that keeps revolving. You know, you're able to learn from some experienced vets and then you're able to pass that on to the ones that join in the next year, next year. And it's just a, a beautiful cycle, hopefully. Yeah. It, like, like I said, it's, it's wild how that has worked out with, you know, some seniors having extra eligibility and stuff. It, <laughs> it reads so weird. I'm not going to lie. When you see that, um, I do have to ask you, and I wrote it in my article that I wrote last week about, you know, talking about some of the things where you've run into whoever at the WAC tournament and that one 2020, 21 season WAC tournament. Uh, you know, Shea Fano was on Utah Valley squad that year that you beat in the WAC semifinals. Is there, there's no animosity, I'm going to say, because she came and signed with you for that year. What happened where you beat them in the WAC semifinals, but you didn't represent the WAC at the NCAA tournament? Do you ever guys, like, is there any trash talk a little bit about that? Or is it just like, no, nah, that's in the past? I mean, I, I guess I have a little bit of Tierra mindset with that, you know, just stay in the present and, um, you know, things in COVID were just weird to begin with. So, you know, we didn't end up playing, um, I think it was four, four games, you know, and, and two against Chicago State, who at the time they, they were, um, they hadn't won a game in the league. So in our mind, that could have potentially been, you know, two more wins. Right. And so that probably would have gotten us to the tournament. So, you know, just... Things happen for a reason, I guess. You're just getting a little battle wounds here and there that hopefully can propel you into um, something you learn from, but something that can help you into the future. But yeah, Shay, though, we gained, she's got some tournament experience. So hopefully that's a good thing for our team now. Uh, do you like that the top two seeds this year get to buy the semifinals kind of like it was two years ago in the WAC tournament? Yeah, they've worked hard enough, you know, protecting them um, in those initial rounds, I think, is a is a good thing. It, it um, kind of gives you motivation as well during the season, you know, to, to work towards that goal. So I think that's a, a good motivator for teams. I'll let Daryl ask his little his question that I know is popping up here. Um, Molly, um, obviously, we know about your waxy USA Alliance matchups in Middle Tennessee and uh, Liberty. Um two of the top mid-major programs in the country. Um, how excited are you to test this group with those two? And then can we just get your thoughts on the WAC starting at the back end of November, just after the Thanksgiving holiday? Yeah, I stay out of scheduling. <laughs> Let's be honest, that's a whole puzzle in itself. Just tell me when to show up and I'll show up and play. <laughs> so um, in terms of, you know, that, alliance crossover that's going to be a great test for us and you know at the end of the day if we're talking about we want to we want to make a run we'd love to um make it go dancing at the ncaa tournament you're gonna have to play the best and middle tennessee and liberty are two of the best you know mid-majors in the country um now i don't know if i would have scheduled them kind of when we play them i know our schedule will come out soon but it's going to be it's going to be a test for us and a great test and We've got a couple of power fives on the, the schedule, a little teaser there, but um, I'm really excited that our strength of schedule is going to test us to hopefully be ready and give us confidence to go into a conference season and a, a, a conference tournament and having been battle tested before. Do you, do you get uh, just another little teaser question? 
you mentioned the Power Fives on your schedule. Do any of them come to GC Arena? Yes. Okay. So there's a good teaser. All right. Don't that. don't pull anything out of me. I'll be getting trouble. I'm not going to pull any more. I just want to know if you get one at GC Arena, at least one. So that's all we need to know for now. We'll let the schedule come out so they can see who is coming to GC Arena. But, yeah, I mean, do you like the, the, that, one, it's going back to a traditional, you play everybody in the conference twice. And, like, do you coach different in November than you would in January? Me, no. <laughs> I, okay. I, uh, you know, I, I think you have to adapt. So your coaching might look a little, like practices might be look a little different. But um, we want to win every game on the schedule this year. Like that's all, always my mentality. I mean, wherever I've been. And um, you just try to prepare your kids to put yourself in the best situation. And then like we did this year, schedule some tough games and get challenged and see what it looks like um to to face that challenge and see our girls face adversity because no doubt in the schedule and in the whack in the conference we're going to face adversity so um getting that test early i think is just an advantage dale you got any more questions for molly um no i'm good (laughs) (laughs) we asked the schedule question we asked the the roster question uh i guess one other question is do you like that after that break, you know, that be in December after your first two conference games, that you get Southern Utah and Utah Tech at home to open January? Or would you rather those games maybe be pushed out a week or two when maybe students are back on campus? I just have to throw that out there. Yeah, I think any coach wants, you know, to have students on campus and be in classes when you're hosting home games. I always like to – I'm always like, how many February home games do we have? That's my – I like that marker. So – the more home games in February, that's kind of where I tend to lean in terms in terms of favorable. But like I said, we're going to show up and play wherever they're scheduled, whatever time, whatever date. Hopefully our team's ready and prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. GCU women's basketball head coach Molly Miller, thank you as always for your time today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate everything you do and uh, really enjoy keeping up with you and, and your coverage on the WAC. All right, everybody. Thanks, enjoy Molly. the rest of your Thursday. Thanks for listening to the Straight Out of Whack podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Whack Hoops Digest and Facebook under Whack Hoops Digest for all your Whack Hoops news and information. <laughs>